Hello, Babylonians. I know a lot of you have been with us for a long time, even from the beginning, and we cannot say thank you enough. And I know a lot of you have been asking a lot lately, how do you make your own podcast? Well, it's simple. I use Anchor. Anchor Anchor.fm, which is the website, or there is an app, or you can go on your computer, whatever you want to do. It's the easiest way. Um, It is run through Spotify, so that is one of the first uh, platforms that you'll be able to distribute your podcast out onto, and there's lots of different, it'll stream to at least, I think, 10 different platforms, or more. um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown about how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter where your setup is like, you can start creating today, today, and tell me what your podcast name is, because you know I'm going to listen. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I know a lot of you have been asking for video. Don't worry, I'm working on it. With Anchor, creators can earn money, yes, yes, you heard that right, in a variety of ways, including ads like this one and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. That's what sold me, even though it didn't have to sell me because it's free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy listening. Hey there, hi there. Hi there, ho there. Sassy Buns. It has been changed to Sassy Buns. It is legally now. So I've changed my name from Shona Marshall to Sassy Buns. <laughs> my name is Nicole Tootsie Floof Marshall. <laughs> and it's Floof. Yeah, Floof. I, I feel like Fluff is just not... Yeah, Floof is way you I'm way more of a Floof. Yeah. <laughs> so hi, everybody. <laughs> hi. We love you. We've missed you. Yes. Hope all is well. Happy... Day after Beltane. 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 How do you pronounce it? All the Tane. All the Tane. 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 And the new moon. And the Tane, because, I mean, Beltane is all about sex and and fucking love and dancing. Yeah. And fire. That makes sense. That makes sense for this past weekend. Um, Hell! Sorry. Um, Sorry. Also, um... Oh. So, no, um, words, 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 words. Also, um, uh, thanks for the 365-65-75. We've had quite the surge of listeners. Thank you, Surge. Thank you, Surgeons. Yeah, Babylonians. Blurgeons. 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 And now they're all gone. Yeah. No, it's just all of a sudden last week, um, yeah, I, we, we're over 12,000 plays now. Um, it's actually 12,147 or something like that. Which is fucking nuts because um, it's not e- it's barely been uh, eight weeks since we hit 10,000. So that's pretty... Uh, I can't even, like, fathom it. Like, I messaged Shauna because every time I tell her something serious, all I text is, 
sister with a period (laughs) and then she's just like yes what's going on (laughs) she never knows what's gonna be (laughs) nope but that was just fucking bananas and all of you people like we have a lot of fellow podcast friends because i put it on all of our socials um who were just like that's amazing congratulations like i'm like yeah i don't know how to fathom this i'm like we just started this as something fun and I started it with my friend and then I got to do it with Shauna and we're still gonna make things happen you know the future is not um hazy I don't know what to say just with Shauna hazy well I mean well just with Shauna being the co-host like we're gonna figure it out coast host I wish I was moving to the coast that'd be so great the coast host the coast host it's not the coast I'm moving to yeah hey I need to interrupt you Yes. I need all of our listeners, Babylonians, I need you to surge together with whatever you energy you um, put out there that's healing and powerful, um, whether it's prayer, whether it's just love, whether it's just energy, whether you light a candle, whether you do a spell, whether you do a seance, whether you fart rainbows. Um, Dawn, she needs our love. There, um, There's just a little bit of scares and issues that may be happening or may not be happening. And um, Dawn is our cancer survivor, and we want that survival rate to keep going and to not spread so um, uh, to other areas of her body. So can we please just take a moment right now, if you're listening, just take, let's take 10 seconds and just send her good vibes on the count of three. One, One two, three. three. Thank you. Yes. Much appreciated. She's going to love that. We love you, Dawn, so, so, so much. We don't have the baby down here for you to hear. He might be here later. Who knows? Who knows? It just depends on his mood. But we just love you so much, and we're always rooting for you, and I feel that our fellow Babylonians are, too, because they've kind of heard your journey since we've been telling a tale Yes, and a lot of people have, like, talked about how they're like, thank you so much for sharing hers, because I've been, been there, and I've done, I've gone through the same stuff, so we love... That you guys love her so much, so yes. we love her too. So, yes. Darn. Um, yes. Dawn, we love you. We love you. No, I'm Whoosh! Okay. <laughs> I mean, we're not here to talk about super happy things anyways, but that's not the kind of sound I usually go yes, for. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> but, no. We, yes, Dawn. Sorry, not sorry. I mean, I'm not, I love yeah. Dawn, and I yeah. always do whatever for you. I just but. apologize because we're, you know, anxiety-ridden. Um, <laughs> but, no, we love you so much, and... Yes. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be everything's gonna be mm-hmm. alright. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> on to you know murdery things because that's what we're here to talk about. I don't think I have anything else to mention. Just that it was just super rad. Of just that surge in numbers, just as fucking nuts. Yes, thank you guys. So thank you guys for spreading us around. Um, UPS friend whose name I have not made yet. Uh, once you get to this episode, um, hi, thanks for listening. Hey, UPS friend. UPS friend. <laughs> My job. Where I work, we deal with a lot of carriers and he was talking to me about it because my friend brian my boss also told me told him about us Thanks, and i was brian. wearing this uh, sweatshirt too today so he's gonna check us out so my sweatshirt titties out bring out your titties and your tissues i don't know if you'll need tissues for this titty shoes. so Whoa, sorry that didn't work <laughs> i feel like i've seen titty shoes before oh gosh okay
All right, so that was a oh my gosh really long pause. <laughs> yeah, like a day. Like a whole day has passed since we filmed that intro. <laughs> and Apollo's here now, Dawn. Dawn. So you're welcome. Apollo, make noises for Dawn. Nope. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to grab his toy. So if he wants, if you want to let him have his little sloth, he can. Did you want? There you go. Have a sloth. Sloth. He's a sloth. Nice. So we're about to get into Miss Beth Ann. Carpenter. Okay. She was born November 23rd, 1963, a Tuesday, which is actually today. So you'll hear this on Wednesday. Oops. Sorry for the delay. Yeah, things happen. Things definitely happen, but we're here. Yeah. Like my friend Dylan, he was just like, um, what the fuck am I supposed to do tomorrow? I'm like, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. You're, <laughs> and I'm all, like, you're totally up to date. You're up to speed on all of our episodes. I know. Nice. I'm like, we're over 100 now. I mean. I don't say what number it is because I read, it's, it's the next one. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyways, November 23rd, 1963, which, as we all know, Nicole loves birthdays and numbers and all the things. Yes, except, she does. It's Except up. math. And that's also the day before Bundy's birthday because he's November 24th. And, but she was... There you go, Dad. <laughs> yeah, she was born the day after President Kennedy was assassinated. Oh, jeepers. Fun facts. Good stuff. Mind blowing. I mean, not good. Sorry. Lack <laughs> of better words. Did you hear what I said? Mind blowing. Walk <laughs> Walk Too soon. <laughs> no. No. <coughs> oh God. Um, she's the oldest of three. She had a sister whose name was Kim, and she's thirty-five. And then she had a thirty-one-year-old brother named Richard Dick. Sorry, Dick. I can't help it. Is and he was a chief operating officer of New England <laughs> Sash in Boston. 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 There goes all our Massachusetts listeners. Bye. So the town they end up wanting to live in and like settle down is called Ledyard. Ledyard? Sure. Don't come for me. If not, come for me and tell me how to say it. Carpenter's father, um, his name was Richard as well. So obviously we got Dick and Dick Jr. Sorry. They probably don't even like being called that, but I like saying it because I'm gross. Uh, spent 22 years with the Navy as a man who was based in Groton. Groton? Sure. Now he, um, at this point in time, he was running his own landscaping company. Her mom, Cynthia, was a nurse practitioner who helped with local nursing homes. Like, pretty typical suburban family type things for now. So she um, attended regular public school uh, because there were three girls named Beth in her class because um, I should have looked up and seen like what the number one name for ni- 1923. Goodbye. Pause. 1963. Beth was not popular. Nope. Not a popular name. Just in her class. Yep. Number name. Na- nope. Na- <laughs> number one name was Lisa. Some guy told us that. Oh, we have a special guest here. Hey, special guest! Yeah! His Chris. Say hi! Hello, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, someone was like, you need to read slower. It'll help you not stumble over your words. I'm like, it's not going to affect me. I just don't know how to read. So anyways, yeah, Beth was not even in the top 50 names, but Lisa was number one name for 1963. So um, she would go by her middle name, which was Anne. Um uh, she said she hated being called Beth Ann, and she said it haunts her still um, when she gets arrested later on because she's clearly the culprit in this case. But I'm like, no, well, I wasn't clear about it. Thanks a lot, Nicole. <laughs> but you need to leave. Excuse me, TF. <laughs> Sassy butt. <laughs> Tootsie Tootsie <laughs> Now I'm gonna call her Beth Ann for the rest of this because <laughs> she deserves it. 
Um, one of her hobbies as a kid was crocheting, and she would sell her project at church fairs. Oh, man. This just sounds all wholesome and shit. She was Protestant, and her ancestry was um, English and German. She, would off she was often mistaken for Irish because of her super reddish blonde hair. That baby over there has yeah. reddish hair. And how prominently Ireland figures are in this case, because she ends up getting, like, sent back from Ireland because she leaves the country. Spoiler She's alert. She's a killer like the Germans. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't say that because I'm German. Same. In right. high school, her nickname was Red. And, like, okay, she doesn't... The fact that she's, you know, a lady killer, or a killer. She, um, she's very, like, normal looking and, like, almost, I think she's pretty. Like, okay. she's really, like, not an ugly human, so that was fun. Uh, she was an honor student throughout high school and a member of the track, basketball, and swim teams. She also worked on the n school newspaper and yearbook. She, a guidance counselor urged her to consider George Washington University, and that's where she took pre-med courses. But um, her interest in becoming a doctor, which was stated in her high school yearbook, and she didn't want to apply to any medical school, so that kind of isn't her, her excitement state. Go get her. Go get her. After graduating from college, she attended several law school classes with a friend who was enrolled at the University of Connecticut School of Law and decided to attend law school. Law school. She's going to be a lawyer, guys. Hey. Keep that in your brain. Okay. She graduated from Columbus School of Law at Catholic University in 1990. Yes, Nicholas! <laughs> Face! Mm -hmm. Then traveled... <laughs> Don? You're welcome! He doesn't, he doesn't like to talk on command. It's got to be his decision. Like exactly. <laughs> so, she ended up traveling with her brother for several months before casting... Or, um... Learn, or, yeah, casting about a job in corporate law. The, um, casting about a job? Casting about for a job. Okay, so just maybe... In like, yeah. going out. Okay. I don't know. I've never heard of cast, like, other than, like, movies, so that's just interesting. Or yeah. casting of fish. Correct, or fishing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Casting. Throw the fish. You don't need it. Hey. It's fine. The economy was plummeting, and it was a tough time to look for work, so this is 1990. Oh, it was almost, almost when I was born. And uh, she ended up volunteering in the public defender's office in Norwich, which um, she started working with an attorney named that, yep. Edward O'Regan. He recalled that she was a very nice person, kind of bashful. <laughs> Bro. Shy. I was shocked when I saw the charges. It didn't seem consistent with what I knew of her. The stories I see in the person I knew are two different people. Two different humans. I was going to say, that she, I mean, I know Nicole, she's a freaking Sagittarius. Oh, fuck those Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius, I can say that. <laughs> she's like barely, because Sagittarius, I think, starts November 22nd, I'm pretty sure. It's the beginning. Or if you go by that other one where there's the... It's what I would be, but I don't know what it is. No. No, I go with the one that I was born under. Yeah, I know, but that would... Because you're... Okay. Keep going. Now I'm upset. I'm just kidding. I'm not upset. <laughs> <laughs> not even interested. God damn, Gemini Nicole. O'Regan introduced um, uh, Beth to... Beth Ann to another young lawyer whose name was Michael. I'm going to guess Hassie. And the two wound up sharing office space pretty briefly as they entered to private, uh, into private practice. That was her my first paying job is what she said. I had clients, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted more guidance. I was right out of law school, and he was even Hassie was even younger. 
So, like, not exactly someone you want to be paired up with who doesn't know what they're doing either kind of thing when you're starting a new job. Especially when that type of profession. Well, that's us. We're doing great. <laughs> We're doing swell. We're basically lawyers and doctors now. Call me with my... I'm going to get a fake freaking PhD. I'm a podcasting sister. <laughs> Parker. <laughs> On November 7th, 1992, at age 28, hey, me too, Carpenter joined the old Saybrook law firm of Klein, remember that name, and Fraser. Klein, and she wants to be a lawyer. And Fraser. Fraser. So, um, okay, so her defense lawyers, when she um, were named Tara Knight and Hugh Keefe, they agreed to car- to let Beth Ann be interviewed on the grounds that she did not discuss certain subjects, including the allegations against her and her relationship with Klein, <clears throat> who will be the star state star witness against her. But certain facts are a matter matter of public record. Um, so when this all happens, he was age sixty, but he was still he's twenty two years older than her, and he was on his fourth marriage when she joined the firm. I <laughs> mean. I've only been married twice, so he's got two over me. Um, the two of began having an affair about a year later. <clears throat> um, he ended up testifying that he was obsessed with her. He was also using a variety of drugs, principally, mostly, cocaine. At one point in their relationship, she was pregnant with twins, but ended up miscarrying after the first semester, which, let's be real. I mean, okay, miscarriage, that is a very, very, very fine line, but those children would have not grown up with a great mom or dad for this matter. So sadly, that's probably a blessing in disguise. Not one, but two. Who's actually listening to the podcast and who's listening to the baby? (laughs) Let us know now. (laughs) Thank you. All right, Apollo says... And if you don't like it... Sorry, why are you listening? Because this is how it is. You can get 500 plays on a day. No, I think this is what gets us more plays. I know, right? We're like, oh my god, I heard the baby. I'm like, oh my god, she just cut stabbed the looks into the <laughs> cool. Oh my god. They're talking about the miscarriage. This baby. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. This is how right. we this is how we hook him in. It's Jesus Pete's. So um Beth Ann's family, meanwhile, is they okay, so this is kind of what starts everything is a custody battle over a over her sister Kim's oldest child, who at this time is eleven years old. It's her daughter. Um, who had lived at the Ledyard home most of her life. Beth's parents wanted, Beth Ann, sorry, went to court to try to obtain custody of the child. Even the girl's biological father, whose name is John Gall, entered the dispute to seek custody, but Kim retained custody of the child throughout this whole predicament. And this all leads to uh, the whole family really didn't like Kim's husband, which is Beth Ann's sister, Buzz Clinton, um, a man who was known for his temper. They got married in January of 1993, and the relationship between them and the Carpenters conti- <laughs> continued to sour. That was loud. Cynthia and Beth Ann continued um, litigation to gain custody of Kim's daughter, and in return, Buzz and Kim threatened to move from Connecticut to Arizona. Wow, that's a jump. Without, um, which at the time gave grandparents very little legal standing in custody and visitation cases. So they're pushing them grandparents' rights. So this is... This- this is it's like this is it. How, how what year are we in now? 1983. 1993. Okay. Yeah, and okay. this is her sister. Um, Klein, when he was testifying against Carpenter, believed her niece was being abused by Buzz. 
Um, Beth Ann was, uh, had never addressed the public, oh my gosh, the issue publicly. See, it doesn't matter. I can't even read words in order. At one time, Klein likened the, uh, likened the affair to the Lewis Malley film, or, yeah, okay, compared it to, sorry, the, it's called Damage, <laughs> where an older man and his daughter-in-law pursue an obsessive affair, he lists, or, yeah, heedless of the potential cost. Ew. His, well, I guess it's his daughter-in-law, but still, ew. Ugh. Let be like... Moving to Arkansas. What? Moving to... <laughs> Sorry. Always comes back to Arkansas. Yeah. Always does. I see it everywhere now. It's everywhere. We got a package at work the other day. Arkansas. I'm like, I fucking damn it. After Beth Ann Buzz's father failed to agree to break up Kim and Buzz, Beth Ann told Anson Clinton Jr., let's go Richard, which is her, um, which is her brother, <laughs> we're not getting anywhere here, I'll take care of it. Do you know what she's going to take care of? Do you, do you guys know where this is going? Should we just stop now? I mean, 20 minutes is long enough. It's fine. The plan, Hello, you were so loud today. The plan to take care of it was to have Buzz Clinton III murdered. 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 Bum, bum, bum. Did you guys think this wasn't a true crime podcast? <laughs> Goodbye. Not with this baby. Not with this it's baby babbles today, my dudes. You're welcome. <laughs> so, anyways. That was well done, sir. This fucking child. Um, in 1992, the... Okay, so this is where I get into some of the court documents. Okay, so... I found the court documents, so I took a lot of stuff from that. So, um, so I it's if I say the victim, it's because we're talking about buzz, buzz, <clears throat> buzz, buzz, kill, let your. <laughs> okay, all right. So, Buzz um, met with the defendant's sister, Kim, at a bar where he performed as an exotic dancer. Heyo. <laughs> You got that buzz, though. You got those buzz. butterflies in your penis. Sorry. <laughs> you guys only knew. You only knew. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. At the time, I'm not barely on page two. It's fine. At the time, Kim and her two-year-old daughter, Rebecca, lived with um, Beth Ann and her parents, which we've already talked about. Shortly after Kim met Buzz, however, she moved out of their home and went to live with him at his parents' house in Old Lyme. Not new line to be accused okay. with old line. L-Y-M-E. Showing no apparent concern for Rebecca and leaving her in the care of her of the Carpenters. Oh, I mean, they're a good band. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Very significant periods of time. <laughs> Thank you. Good I'm all night. She'll be here all night. Thanks. Uh, forever and always. Thanks. Bye. Thereafter, <laughs> Cynthia Carpenter and, the, and Beth Ann, um, who was an attorney licensed to practice law in Connecticut, I like saying it like that. Connecticut's like, bye. <laughs> Filed an application in the probate court seeking Kim's removal as guardian of Rebecca on the ground that Kim had abandoned her when she went to live with her new mans. So that was just, that was part of the court document. And that's exactly what it says. It doesn't say the victim. It says her new mans. Verbatim. Yes. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what just word. It's fine. Words are hard. In October of 92, the court issued an ex parte order granting Cynthia Carpenter and then immediate temporary custody of Rebecca. The court also appointed guardian ad litem? litem? Guardian ad litem? I don't know. To represent Rebecca's interest and to 
interest in December of 92, following an investigation by the Department of Children and Families, DCF, and upon the recommendation of the guardian thing, the probate court reversed the temporary temporary order and returned guardianship and custody of Rebecca to Kim after she took certain court-ordered steps to improve her parenting skills. So, sorry. <clears throat> pause your pause. You're fine. Kim gets with this dude and... And basically ditches her daughter. So she... she, she okay. But right. she still had legal custody of her, but her then she ends up moving from the, uh, Connecticut and to Arizona. How long was she with dude? How Not long very long. Okay. Okay. It was like a matter of months. Okay. Like it was very, very soon. So okay. And fast. All that things. Okay. So, um, oh, sorry. Um, so and then she married him in January of 93. Throughout that year, um, Cynthia and, and Beth Ann continued to pursue litigation against Kim and, and uh, Buzz concerning guardianship and visitation issues. Beth Ann was motivated to assist her mom because she was concerned that Kim was not providing Rebecca with proper care and attention. She also believed that Buzz was abusive towards Kim and Rebecca, and like, like we mentioned, Rebecca's Yoda, eleven, right? Yes. Sorry. Okay. And she, and they said Buzz had a temper. I don't know how factual that is. That Kim was powerless to protect Rebecca from harm. In addition, she was distressed by reports that the victim um, Buzz might leave Connecticut with Kim and Rebecca, and that. The carpenters would no longer be able to see the child. Every time I say that now, I can think of the band. Same. The carpenters. <laughs> Ew. So, <clears throat> in November of 1992, so that was, okay, we're back, we're going back and forth a little bit. Heyman Klein, which is um, the guy who owned, or is running the law firm, hired. The old man, right? The old man river. <laughs> hired the Bethann <laughs> as an associate in his law firm, Klein and Frazier in 93. Um, she moved out of her parents' home and into an apartment in Norwich Mom. at the end of November. <sighs> okay. Uh, December of 93. I was alive by then now. I've um, been alive for a while. December of 93, I was 13. I was like seven or eight months old. The defendant, um, Beth Ann, became very worried about Rebecca's safety in that she asked, she ended up straight up asking Klein to kill Buzz. He, like, was like... She... Wait, say that. Sorry. Rebecca's... Okay, she was concerned about Rebecca's safety that she asked Klein, her boss, her lover, to kill him. If you to wanna kill be him. my lover, you gotta stab him in the face. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> he refused. He's like, nah, I'm good. Oh. So he refused, but later told Beth Ann that he knew someone by the name of Mark... I'm gonna guess Des Despres? Desperado. Or it might be Dupree too, because I know sometimes D E S P R E S. Sometimes that S is silent. The first one. Desperus. Mark, who might be willing to do the job? At which the point defendant instructed Klein to make the necessary arrangements. So they're like, plot to murder, premeditation, doom doom doom. <laughs> so when Klein, sorry. We need the law and order. When Klein subsequently met with. Mark, I don't like that I have his last name in here, in his New London office, he explained that he was involved with a woman whose niece was being abused, and the only way to stop the abuse was to murder him, because, you know, it's totally the way to go about it. You're a fucking lawyer. You literally know the legalities to make this not be murdered. But it's not what we're here for. After further discussion, he agreed to kill Buzz for $8,500. Okay. That's like... Not a lot of money, in my opinion. 
Like, I mean, if I had $8,500 right now, I'd be like, woo, I'd be happy because, like, most of my debt would be gone. (laughs) Besides paying on my car. Right. But then I'd have, like, $500. (laughs) So I'm like, $8,500 isn't really not that much money. And I'm like, to murder someone? I'm like, I'd be like, But we've done many... People have done it for way less. Like, yeah. It's way fucking less. Wait so. till we get to one of the cases that we talk about in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm stoked. The defendant gave Klein the victim's purported, purported, purported home and work addresses. Purported? Can you just purported? Purported. Purported? It's purported? not it, but I like it. Purported? purported? I think it's purported. I think you're correct. But I Purple did. Home and work addresses, a description of his car and a photograph of Buzz, all of which Klein passed on to Desperado. So that he would be able to look at Did anybody catch that? I did. I identify the victim. Desperous. <laughs> um, he also gave him approximately $2,000. <laughs> gave him a down payment. Well, there you go. Here you go. $20,000 toward the payment of his fee. Jesus. In mid-February of 94, Klein told... Um, Mark, okay, not to kill the victim because he was upset with, with Beth Ann and no longer wanted to help her. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Keep the money. Not gonna kill him. You're off the hook. Cool. Fuck yeah. Keep the money. Yeah. I mean, right. Although on. the <laughs> although Beth Ann initially appeared to accept Klein's decision, she came to him three or four weeks later in a state of hysteria after hearing from her family that Rebecca had a burn mark on her back and had been locked in the cellar by Buzz. Okay. All right. And I'm like, okay, they keep saying it's Buzz, it's Buzz, it's Buzz. All that's buzzing around my head <laughs> is, was, was it not him? Was it her sister doing that right. to her? Like, how do they know it's not her? Yeah. Because she didn't want her to begin with. Like, she just ditched her. And now she's, like, forced to be a mom, even though she took the right steps. I know a lot of people who've taken the right steps to get their kids back, and they didn't. <clears throat> yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? So. Huh? And they're like, what are you trying to say in goal? If you know me, you know. Anyways. Fucking no. I just had pop come out of my nose. In light of these, that hurt. In these, okay. So in light of these events, Beth Ann told Kine that she wanted the victim killed and be, would be willing to pay for it herself. So back. Or were they even really on there? What? Did she even really have marks? Or was, was Beth Ann just making it up? I don't know. It's just, I she's know. just hysterical. I need you to know these things. So I need you to just make up a story right now and tell me. So, Klein, <laughs> the next day. Okay, she had marks. She had marks, absolutely she did. <laughs> Klein invited Desperado Uh-oh. to his new London office and asked him to proceed with the killing. Well? Mom! Nope. <laughs> All right. Hey. So, Desperous Mark indicated that he would do as Klein requested for $5,500, less than the agreed upon amount, um, but he wanted the money that day. Cha-ching! So he assented, Klein did, and the two men went to the bank where uh, Klein withdrew $1,000 and gave it to him. That's not $5,500. Well, I mean... It's another deposit? Yeah. So he's at 3000 now. So now we're moving to early March of ninety four. <clears throat> uh, Mark learned through a newspaper advertisement that Buzz was selling a tow truck. Ding, 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 ding. Hmm. Let's make this a weird thing. I'm going to buy your tow truck. So he calls him, representing himself as a buyer, because he's a liar, <laughs> <laughs> and arranged to meet him. So now we're at March 10th, 1994. It's the day for my mom's birthday. Ew! Just so you are aware, listeners. Yes. Because my mom's not a listener. <laughs> She's not. Nope. 
so Mark, accompanied by his 15-year-old son, Chris, <laughs> met the victim in the parking lot of a Howard Johnson... No, Johnson's restaurant on Interstate 95. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I'm not a crook. So. <laughs> I did not have relations with that woman. Sorry. <laughs> okay, it's fine. After a short conversation, the vic um, victim, Buzz, agreed to show them the tow truck who followed him uh, northbound on the interstate to exit 72, because this is very important details. As they exited, uh, Mark flashed his headlights directly behind Buzz after the two men got out of their cars. Buzz approached him and asked what was going on. He said that he was looking for a gas station. He then fired six shots at the victim, just oh like, oh, I'm looking for gas. Bang, 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 bang. Wow. That might have been six. I hope it was. When headlights appeared from behind, Mark jumped back into his car and sped away to his home, Mom. driving over the body as he fled from the scene. A bunch of his buttons. Okay. So I said... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I'm going to re-record that part or fix it. So Something about Kate. Shot him six times. Yes. Headlights appeared from behind. Yes. He jumped in the car, sped away to his home, drove over the body as yes. he fled from the scene. Drove over the body. Moments later, the occupants of the approaching vehicle discovered the victim's body lying on the roadway and notified the police. So he was found, like, instantly. Well, that's good, but obviously not. Um, <clears throat> according to the arrest warrant application in Beth Ann's case... Mark told police that she attended several of his meetings with Klein when the murder plot was discussed. Um, so we're going to get into... Okay. Uh, Keith, which was one of the lawyers, I think. Something like that. I don't remember. Who art thou? Da, 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 da. Where's the freaking name? Yeah, one of the lawyers. Um, said during one court appearance that he had a letter from Mark recanting earlier statements he made implicating Beth Ann. The letter was not public document and Keith would not reveal its contents um, when this was going on in trial. So <clears throat> this moves. Okay, so this happened in March of 94. And then in October of 95, 19 months after Buzz was murdered and nearly two years before a warrant was issued for her for his arrest for an arrest. Wow. Beth Ann left. Ledyard. You wonder where she went? She went to London. She dipped out. So this car came up on this dead body, and they had no idea who did it. Oh. So for almost two years. So she and her lawyers um, talked over references that she was a fugitive from justice or hiding out in Europe. Um, she had been... She, this is her... Okay, quote. I had been looking for a job over here for about 10 months unsuccessfully. I was looking for a job in England. I got an offer and followed up. Just conveniently. Mm -hmm. Trying to get... Okay, I thought there was a kid down here, and it wasn't a kid, and I hate that that keeps happening while we're recording. It's fine! <laughs> when her visa in England expired early in 97, she ended up moving to Dublin. Remember, we talked about Ireland in the beginning. Still, no warrant had been issued for her arrest. While there, she worked at a restaurant, took international law and taxation courses at Dublin University, joined a gym, and rented a flat, you know, trying to live like a quote-unquote normal life. Carpenter and her lawyers emphasized that she used her own name, not an alias, in both countries and was cooperating with authorities in Connecticut and at Scotland Yard during the ongoing investigation. Um, Knight said... Beth Ann had even hired her own lawyer, filed a lawsuit against, and had filed a lawsuit against a drunken driver who had struck her as she walked home from the gym, causing serious injuries to her shoulder, back, and foot. 
Um, she sought out the authorities when she was hit. Hit and run. Ha! Ha! Karma? Karma. Klein fled to Connecticut in December of 95 when police obtained a warrant for his arrest on capital felony charges. He kept in touch with Beth Ann, however, without realizing that she was keeping in touch with investigators about the case. It was Beth Ann who supplied the police the date, time, and number of a payphone in California where she was to call Klein. He was captured while talking on that phone outside a convenience store in February of 96. His last words to her reportedly were, you set me up. So she was cooperating with them, but she is trying to pin all of it on him to clear her name because it's not her niece that she's worrying about. Right. So now we're in late August of 97. Kane obtained a warrant for Beth Ann's arrest on a charge of capital felony. They said that uh, Keith said the prosecutor did not tell him about the warrant until two months later. He said he informed Beth Ann and was making arrangements for her voluntary return when she was apprehended on November 11th. Oh, that's Addie's birthday. Hmm. Um, anyway. they restarted her period. Sorry. Whee! Nobody really. I hit a deer on that day. Daddy babbles. <laughs> when I hit a deer. Literally blood and babbles. Um, Kane declined to be interviewed for the story. To secure Beth Ann's extradition, um, they told Irish authorities... I said extradition. I think I struggled with that word a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He would would not seek a death sentence. Ireland um, would not extradite prisoners in cases where a death sentence is a possibility. Huh. Interesting. Carpenter ultimately waived extradition and returned to the U.S. voluntarily in the company of U.S. Marshals. I was at the gym. I'd been a member of since I got to Dublin, she said. A guy came up to me and said, are you Beth Carpenter? And I was like, yes. Another plainclothes officers appeared and they took her into custody. I was in shock. They were reading me some papers and I just didn't understand. You didn't understand? Really, Miss Lawyer? You don't understand, Lawyer? Was it the accent? Come the fuck on. We're going to arrest ya. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was. Super good. (laughs) Good Good job. Good job, Tia. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. That was that was something. Um, <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> oh man. Oh goodness. Okay, it's fine. Loved it. Remained. She remained at Mount Joy Prison in Ireland for more than seventeen months. Um, she There's a prison called Mount Joy. Mount Joy Prison in Ireland. Of course it's in Ireland. Oh my gosh. Take you to the pub and we're going to go I was going to say, they're probably a pub, too. <laughs> have some dance. No, no, I'm going to go British. Damn it. <laughs> Dancers. <laughs> we're going to do some... What is it? What is it? The fucking... Is it logging? Lo- no, no, no. Well, yeah. No, there's like... Oh, there's a special kind of dance and now I can't think. I literally went and saw it live... It's just Irish, it's like line dancing, but it's fancier. <laughs> Ireland, help me out here. <laughs> Shit. If you know what dancing I'm trying to talk about, it'll come to me. She praises humanitarian approach. It's just like Irish folk dancing, right? Or my approach. No, there's something. It's it's called something. I'll have to look it oh, up. Oh, <laughs> Is that Swiss? That was from whose um, line is it? Anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it, al- it would allow inmates to wear their own clothing, clothing to listening to and addressing inmates' complaints. She had a part in a play staged for charity. The inmate actors were I permitted. Mean, it is joy prison. <laughs> it's pretty joyful. It's, it's pretty. They were permitted to socialize with guests afterwards. The prison's Christmas service was broadcast nationwide, and she read a poem during the service. 
Rail thin and only five foot three, she broke her nose and rib playing rugby and several fingers playing volleyball while she was in prison. Wow. So her experience at the Irish prison, where she says she never once was in handcuffs. Time out, time out. <laughs> hey, Ireland, your prison is way different than the American prison, just so you're aware. We're about to find out. Because <laughs> um, she ended up going to York, where she entered upon her return to the U.S. on June 19th, 1999. She was taken to York in shackles, her wrist secured to a belly chain. So she went yeah, from wearing her would... own clothes to living her best life. <laughs> To being probably thrown in some gray or orange clothing and wrists secured to a belly chain. Secured. 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 Insecure. Insecure. <laughs> Crystalia. Where you at, though? <laughs> <laughs> I never tweeted Joseph Gordon Levitt the other day when I talked about her. It's fine. Joe, we love you too. Uh, yeah, I'm going to tweet them both. Okay. I got to put it in my notes. Um, Carpenter's charge was the most serious that can be brought against a criminal defendant in Connecticut. As a result, she was kept in the prison's administrative segregation unit, being fed through a slot in the door. What you were talking about have very different... Yeah. <laughs> literally night and day. Like, you're supposed... Uh, that, you're supposed to get out for one hour every other day and three times a week for a shower. That doesn't mean it happens, is what she said. Like, good. Dude, so, like, that's so crazy, because here, like... You'd rather go to jail than prison. Like, right. Prison is no bueno. And fucking prison in Ireland? Fucking Mount Joy? What the I'm gonna go commit, I'm gonna go commit like, fraud or something in Ireland. Like, like, send me So here. what? Do you have jail? Like, what is that? Is there a bad jail in is Ireland? Is there, like, or is it fun? Is it, like, camp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking going to jail this weekend, guys. I'm stoked. Never been to jail, but I might want to in uh, Ireland. I am, um, you know, like I, top of the morning. Do you? You want your tea? Wait, I was gonna say tea and crumpets. I went English I want to go again. Camping. I just want to camp. <laughs> I just want to go camping with some leprechauns. <laughs> yes. Bring me the pot of gold. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this really got away from us. When her lawyers complained in court about her prison conditions, the guards at York's would taunt her and further restrict her privileges. <laughs> the medication she was supposed to get for migraines often was withheld or delayed. Oh, that's rude. Migraines suck. Just kidding, you do I, I knew somebody, sorry, also once a time. Once a time. Once a time. Time to babble. Um, ta -ta -ta. A friend of my mom's, her son... Um, type 1 diabetic like I am and he was in prison and like it was hell apparently for him to get his insulin shots oh my and God. whatnot. So like I can only you can only imagine. I doesn't matter what he did but like you know when you have medical th I mean migraine okay they suck but like as a type 1 diabetic you need your insulin. You 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 will die. Exactly. <laughs> you Literally. will die without it. You will, yeah. Things start happening. You can get diabetic ketoacidosis, go into a coma, and just fucking die. River dancing. River. Oh, wow. I can. I had to look it up. I had to know. Good job. River dancing to completely take off what she said. There you go. It's river Fuck dancing. Diabetics. Oh. <laughs> we must dance for the diabetics. Yes. River because dance. they don't have feet. <laughs> Thank you. Yay. Thank you. I can say that. My sister's a type 1 diabetic. It's true. She can say that. <laughs> She's not lying. Like, so come away from me. 
me. We went Irish to tea kettle. Dude, my- yesterday was such a shit like storm why we didn't record, and so this makes me so much happier. I know, me <laughs> too. It's so much better energy. Yeah. Um. Okay, so they talked about her privileges and or the lack thereof. Um. You shut down when you're there, she said, of prison life. You show no emotion. If you're crying, they put you on suicide watch. If you get angry, you get disciplined. So you have to shut down everything. You don't really notice it at the time, but when I came home, I started getting emotional at things most people don't get emotional about. Really, like, running over somebody? Right. I mean, I mean, she wasn't a part of that. She just organized it. She organized. Yes. While at York, she made a few complaints to the warden about a particular officer who would routinely lock down the unit rather than deal with the inmates. That'd be me. <laughs> me. <laughs> I know what you should today. Go. I don't call that jailhouse lawyering. <laughs> I don't call anything lawyering. When she asked if she saw herself in that role, I just call it sticking up for my rights. Mm. Yeah, just like you stuck up for Buzz's rights. Yeah, Yeah. if he was this massive abuser that you said he was to be. He would have had plenty of evidence evidence and stuff to to lock him up. Mm -hmm. And then he would have never seen. And he could have gone to a prison that's not joyous. No, exactly. But now it's you. (laughs) She set new goals for herself to have nothing to do with the white-collar world of corporate law. Now, (laughs) if given the opportunity to pursue her career anew... She wanted to go, um, wanted to go back to prison. I know it may sound weird, but because of everything I've been through and all the people I've met, I would like to work um, for some sort of prison reform in this country to make it more like the Irish system, which is so much more humanitarian. Well, clearly it didn't work. First, though, she must place her faith in twelve strangers. Sorry, <laughs> although you're disciples. I'm um, sorry. Sorry. Chosen to determine whether she will spend the rest of her life behind bars at York without possibility of parole. She said she was going to go to New London Superior Court seeking vindication for f- her freedom and a fresh start. I don't know how to describe all the emotions I feel. Um, Could you not? A part of it is anger. I feel a large injustice has been committed. <laughs> it says, it. it's one she says no acquittal can erase. You tell me how, after seven years, how do you make that up to someone? She went to trial in 2002. That's when one of my nephews was born. Um, the, pros- the first one. The first one was born. The prosecution used the theory that Bethann wanted Buzz out of the way because he was going to move Kim and her daughter out of state. Heyman took the stand and testified to his obsession with the young, attractive woman, Bethann, stating that he would have done anything for her, even murder. The prosecution contended that his obsession was what prompted him to make the contract with Desperado. Um, <laughs> this Desperus is really stressing me out. Desperado. The defense argued that Beth Ann was totally under Heyman's spell. Fuck off. That he was a dominating lover who psychologically controlled her. That'd make a good book. Sorry. I'd read it. I totally would. I've got, like, all the series. <laughs> She's like, Sean, Sean is going to write it. I didn't feel right when I wasn't No, I'm going to read it. I'm not going to fucking write it. Sorry. Read it, write it, wrote it. <laughs> okay, this is a big old quote. I didn't feel right when I wasn't with him. I needed to be with him all the time. He sort of validated me and made me feel whole. Dude, wow. Isn't I, this, like, Fifty Shades of Grey? I'm just saying. No, I feel like I've heard this from somebody else. When I wasn't with him, I felt like there was something wrong with my life and I wouldn't be able to function. I felt like there was this hole inside of me. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Okay, great. I just felt like I needed to be with him all the time. It was like a driving force in my life. She further explained that although she tried to leave Klein many times, she could not break away. (laughs) Oh! It would (laughs) last for three or four weeks at a time. 
Wow! <laughs> I changed the locks on my house three times. Changed my phone number on my house. On the phone number on my house. I changed the phone number on my cell phone. Client, however, would call, come back, or he'd call. I would answer the phone or answer the door. I couldn't say no to him, and I was disgusted with myself. Mm. It would make me feel more and more worthless the more I took him back. Mm. You don't understand how frustrated I am <laughs> because I've seen this. <laughs> I've watched it live. I'm fine. The defendant. Uh, she claimed that the trial court committed evidentiary error. Uh, oh shit! Wow. Evidentiary error and deprived her of her right to present a defense under the Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution when it excluded the testimony of Robert Novelli, who was a psychologist on the nature of codependent relationships and why women often fail to leave such relationships. That's why she was in London forever, because she yeah. couldn't leave him from the fuck on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This evidence was offered to the Rebute? Rabbit? Rabbit. That was close. The state's claim <laughs> that the defendant's failure to end the affair with Klein following the murder indicated her complicity in the crime. We reject the defendant's claim. Good! Ah! Void. Stupid. On redirect... Uh, uh, yep. See? It doesn't matter, friend. Mm-hmm. On redirect examination... I'm really worked up, too. When defense counsel <laughs> explored... Because, you know... Ex- explored the defendant's um, inability... Inability. Yep. Her inability to break off her relationship <laughs> with Klein. She explained that she had gone to London in part because I was disgusted with myself because I was weak. Oh my god. <laughs> and I couldn't get away from him. <laughs> face. She continued, I needed to be with him. I felt like hey, I couldn't function in the meantime, with it. Is anybody asking about Rebecca or fucking Kim? Like what Like happened? what this is all about? <laughs> This is really getting away from murder. It's all like, I was in love and I didn't do anything oh my to make God, him happy. I was so codependent. I liked his big fat old man balls in my mouth. Yes. Like, jingle jangle. Jingle <laughs> jangle. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. I wasn't a whole person when I wasn't with him. I would sit home by the phone and wait for him to call. I would cancel dinners with my friends. I wouldn't go out. I just, it was like I couldn't function. I would plan murders. I couldn't do anything else. I would just wait around for him and for everything to be okay. Uh, on recross examination, the defendant admitted that she was ambivalent about... Assisting Scotland Yard in apprehending Klein, but that she ultimately came to believe after the warrant had been issued that he should be arrested for the murder. Please watch him with the cords because I can't have him unplug this computer because then all of this will go Everything away. Everything goes away. Yes. Everything dies like buzz. Yeah. She would be arrested Sorry. for the murder. <laughs> it's boring up there. Everyone's outside. So that's that's fine. We're recording, so That's fine. Shut your face. Just kidding. Love you so much. Klein and his treating psychiatrist (laughs) testified um, as to his sense of self-importance, his preoccupation with power, his habit of engaging in illegal conduct, and his overwhelming passion for the for Bethany. Klein testified that he had established his own law firm with a substantial real estate practice and that the firm had offices in Old Saybrook in New London. He also admitted that although he achieved professional independence and apparent success, he had engaged in a wide range of illegal conduct, including stealing substantial sums of money from his clients, bitch, lying to them about the status of their cases, rude, forging their names on checks and legal documents, how disgusting, and misusing their credit cards. You fucking monster bitch. Yep. That's rude. That's just, fuck off. His unlawful uh, behavior extended to his personal life. He was a heavy drug user. 
who like to mix cocaine with alcohol. Jesus. Yeah, no. <laughs> For those of you. <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> I'm just, I mean. Can you <laughs> tell who's never taken hard drugs in your life? I'm just, I'm just, yeah. It's, it's, it's fucking, yeah. That's and you, prescription drugs such as Prozac, Xanax, and nortriptyline on a daily basis. His psychiatrist, Vittorio Ferrero. Diagnosed him with it's the like a new cologne. Yeah. Vittorio Ferrero. <laughs> Get Johnny Depp. Hey Johnny! <laughs> Sorry. Diagnosed him with antisocial same personality disorder characterized by a pervasive disregard for and violation of the wow. of the rights of others. There's a lot of weird spaces in that. I don't like it. Ferrero, I don't like it. Based on okay. Based his diagnosis on evidence that Klein did not conform to social norms with respect to lawful behaviors. He was deceitful, mm, impulsive. Oh, you don't say irresponsible and lacking in remorse after hurting or mistreating others. He ran over a dude. A human being. After he... Oh, wait, no, he didn't. It was, it was Desperado. Desperado. He just helped pay him. Um, he himself was able to perceive deficiencies only in his professional life to remedy one such deficiency, his inability to word because of my <laughs> fucking brain just lapsed. There's a glitch in the Matrix. Did you guys feel it? Because I sure fucking did. His inability to maintain his practice without financial losses, he attempted to gain favor with and obtain financial support. Oh, shit. From potential business partners by throwing wild parties at his own bail, in which the participants indulged in couple swapping and other sexual escapades. Hey. Sexcapades. Klein also testified that his obsession with the defendant had persisted over a long period of time because of sex decades. Didn't miss a beat. That you guys didn't even know. I have no clue. He admitted that he was enthralled with her, wanted to impress her. Wrote her passionate letters declaring that he would do anything for her. Are you taking notes? Um. <laughs> yeah. Gonna... Wow. Wow. I think they need to take notes from me. <laughs> <laughs> Her attorney had wanted to bring an expert testimony. <laughs> Not say that. About dependent personality disorders. But after hearing her expert outside... What? Her expert outside the presence of the jury, the judge ruled that it was not valid scientifically and therefore could not be used as a defense. They convicted her of capital murder and conspiracy, and Beth Ann Carpenter was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. And life in prison in America, yes? Yes. Not fucking Shortly right. after she was sentenced, a remorseful Heyman Klein received a 35-year sentence, which ended up... I read in one spot it said 35 years, and then another spot said 40. But okay. he's also 22 years older than her, so basically tell you guys. More than likely. In October 2005, the Connecticut Supreme Court upheld her conviction, ruling that the ju trial judge did not err when he refused to allow her expert testimony. She's not an expert testimony. So, um, I found this when I was, actually, well, because I ended up doing more mm -hmm. research afterwards mm -hmm. because of all the fucking psychoness of yesterday. Mm -hmm. So she tried to look for a reduction in her life sentence. Um, so we're going to go to 2010. Okay. October 12th. October 12th. <gasps> That's my hubby's birthday. That's my brother's birthday. One of the region's most memorable murder cases could be re um, revisited next. This came from, uh, this is written by Karen Florin um, from The Day. 
whatever that is. I don't know if that's like, it's, I think it's a website or an article, but she gets full credit. Um, could be revisited next week as Beth Ann Carpenter, an infamous lawyer turned convict, attempts once again to escape from her life sentence. She was um, convicted of capital felony in 2002 for initiating, initiating the murder of Anson B. Buzz Clinton Carpenter, who is now 46. Okay, so that was 12 years ago, so she's 58 now. Is incarcerated at the Janice S. York Correctional Institution in Neantic. Having exhausted other avenues of appeal, she filed the petition of habeas corpus, which is a civil lawsuit claiming she is being held in prison illegally. <laughs> the case is set to go to trial on October 18th in the Rockville Courthouse, where all of the state's so-called habeas cases are heard. <laughs> so-called. Um... There could be a hitch, however. Her attorney, Norman A. Pattis, said more, um, the trial may not go forward at all. He could not elaborate and said it's a very complicated case uh, because she needs to stay in jail forever. Bye. Forever. The habeas trial would feature Pattis of Bethany and another prominent defense attorney, Hugh Keefe. Ah, see? There he is. Um, of New Haven. Keefe and the attorney, Tara Knight, represented Bethany at her trial and the habeas corpus lawsuit claims Keefe and Knight provided... <laughs> Ineffective counsel. Because, you know, she's a lawyer. She knows things. He, uh, Keith, who expected to be called to the witness stand at the habeas trial, said he had not heard of any reason why the trial would not take place. I hope it goes forward. I'm prepared to testify. Marsha Pillsbury. Oh, boy. Sorry. A prosecutor who... Sorry, she's a good person. Who works in the chief state's attorney's habeas division is in the odd position of defending the defense attorney's who were the state opposition at trial and in subsequent appeals. Pillsbury could not be reached for comment um, because of a state holiday. So, the, well, uh, Columbus Day. Yeah. Yeah, because that's something to celebrate. Pretty sure we went off on that on one of the one of the episodes yeah, not that long ago. Off on it every Columbus Day. <laughs> Following a trial that drew the attention of national and international media, a new London jury found Carpenter guilty of plotting the murder of her brother-in-law. Judge Robert Devlin Jr. sentenced her to life in prison. Good job. Without the possibility of release. Testimony revealed um, she had asked her then-lover and employee, Heyman Klein, to arrange for Clinton's murder because she didn't want him to be around her sister's daughter. Clinton was married to Carpenter's sister, Kim, and the family was embroiled in a bitter custody battle over Kim's daughter, Rebecca. Klein admitted he was obsessed with Beth Ann, hired his client and cocaine dealer. I feel like that wasn't mentioned earlier. Mark Desperado. <laughs> Desperous. Dupree, whatever, Desperado, to kill Clinton. Um, he shot Clinton on the Rocky Neck connector after luring him out on the pretense of looking at a truck Clinton was selling. One key player, the victim's mom, will be missing if the key, the victim's mom will be missing if the habeas trial goes forward. Um, Deloyd D. Clinton of Old Lyme died. Oh, she died in June of 2009. Well, I mean, so pretty old, right? Well, yeah, victim. Yeah, uh, yeah, Buzz wasn't. She had become a champion for survivors of homicide following the murder of her oldest son and attended uh, each court hearing wearing the midnight blue dress she had worn to his funeral. Oh my gosh. I mean, like I said, the allegations of this abuse, I don't know what, if that ever got pursued, but I'm like, I, I don't know. That's just, that's so sad. Yes. Um, Carpenter's uh, Harris, goodbye. Habeas petition claims that there was no physical evidence to, con to convict her and that the state's case relied on Klein, who took a plea deal to avoid being exposed to the death penalty. 
and was a key witness at her trial. He's serving... Oh, okay. He's serving a 35-year prison sentence. Um, Desperado also accepted a plea deal and is only serving 45 years. Even though he was the... He completed the murder, but she's getting life because she organized all of it. So I'm like, huh, interesting. While negotiating with Klein, the state was well aware that he had obsessive and deviant sexual interest in Miss Carpenter and was a narcotics addict and had engaged in acts of theft involving funds belonging to his former law clients, the statement or the lawsuit stated. Oh, goodness. The petition also claimed Carpenter was under no legal obligation to return to Connecticut from Dublin, where she had fled as authorities came closer to unraveling the murder for hire plot. While in Europe, she participated through Keith in helping locate Klein, who was arrested as a fugitive from justice in California. Others claims, wow. Other claims included the defense provided Carpenter with false assurances throughout the case, failed to engage in plea negotiations with the state. Keith had a conflict of interest with his client, including but not limited to. The hope and expectation of publicity, book contracts, or other forms of notoriety by pressing the case to trial if the trial were actually won by the defendant. Beth was using several medications that interfered with her ability to testify accurately and lucidly. The defense failed to prepare Carpenter for cross-examination by the state's attorney. As a result, the state's... Sorry for all the baby crying. He's grumpy and tired. So we are at the part the defense failed to prepare her for cross-examination by the state's attorney. And as a result, quote, the state succeeded in making her appear deceptive and untruthful because of her inability to answer questions and recall facts extending back over a period of many years. Because it's 2010, right? so it's yeah. been, yeah, a while. The defense, or no, in um, her appeal of the verdict, assistant public defender Mark Rademacher, hey. Rademacher, Rademacher, we're going to go with that, Rademacher, failed to raise the trial's court denials of motions to change venue and sequester the jury, despite compelling evidence that the case had attracted unprecedented national and international attention, thus saturating the new London County with uh, with press accounts of the trial. Needless to say, she was denied and Good. is still sitting in the prison. Ma'am? Ma'am. America? America. <laughs> she is locked up, not in a joy prison. Not in a mountainous joy. Mountain of joy where we want to go spend our weekends. Go, uh, to Ireland for a week That's long. my <laughs> dream <laughs> vacation. That's where I'm going to relapse this in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go relapse in Ireland, guys. I'm going to go start an addiction. <laughs> It's gonna be joyous. It's gonna be great. Oh my lord. Well, let's go. <laughs> Drop the kids off. Who needs to move? Mom I need to make sure all my kids are out of the house. I've already been through enough of that shit when I, when I live in the outside. Oh man. Cassandra is me. Well, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I can't deny that. And that was an Arlo interlude. Ta da! Done. So. That is the case of Beth Ann. Beth Ann, because she doesn't like it. She doesn't like it. And don't like her. I hope you listen to this, Beth Ann. <laughs> and I hope you don't get any leprechaun love. And I hope you, like, hit your I head. I hope you just get leprosy. <laughs> Do you think they hear this? <laughs> oh, I'm sure some of them listen. I have no doubt. She's like, I'm on a podcast. Oh my god, it's so important. I like Bethany now. <laughs> I love Bethany. These girls are amazing. 
Shit, whatever gets more more ear holes. Somebody needs to go run over the aunt and the mom. They feel bad for that baby. (laughs) (laughs) Making him scream and cry. Hit me up, Beth, then see what you pay me. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure it's an iron window. (laughs) (laughs) I just died a little inside. (laughs) Thank you so much, everyone. Mm. Music and something. Oh, I need to just make that a sound bite. Yeah. I should know it by now. Fantasy and world music by the Fighters. Yes. I haven't said it the last few times. I'm pretty sure people know by and now. It doesn't matter. We need to. We, need we to, say it we always. We need to tell. Yeah, always. they do a lot of amazing sounds. But we, I mean you. We do it all. <laughs> I do it all, and I've learned to accept that. I do everything. I've got us in so many things. Sure. So. Cause she just asked me to be on it. Not yeah, I mean, she just. Well, I mean, you started with the rabbit holes, and then it just became just strictly true crime, which is fine. I loved it. And apparently you guys all have too. I mean, we didn't get to 12,000 plays by listening ourselves. Right. So. And then if you guys want rabbit holes. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. I kind of like them. Yeah. Sometimes they're nice. Like, especially when it's a case that's a little bit shorter. Yeah. I just, I like having longer ones. I still ones. have them in my phone. Like, yeah. on my list. We can always, I've always said we can oh make them gosh. like a, like a, like a, a bonus side thing. I've said a lot of things. So many things being said. But if you guys have cases you want us to cover, because this was a Nate case. Um, I'm pretty sure we said that yesterday. Yes. I've got Nate I've got several. Nate Dog, we love you so much, my nude. Uh, I called him Nick, remember? <clears throat> yep. Oh, yeah. Nick and Nate. Nate and Nick. Actually, I knew twins that were named Nick and Nate in high school. No mm. sleepy baby. <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, y'all. Um, yes. Uh, follow us on all our socials. Uh, reach out to us. Tell us that you love us. Tell us that you hate us. I don't really care. Uh, tell us what we can do to improve. Yeah. Good pods. Go rate us on there. You guys can rate us on Spotify, too. Please do that. Um, if you want to leave us a review, please do so. Um, and, yeah. Until... Giggly eyes. On the chin. <laughs> on the chin. Do we want that? Do we want yes. that? Chris says yes. We've got one yes, so it might just happen. So... Okay. Until next Until time. Until next time. Babylon. Welcome to my true crime podcast, Stolen from Me. Every week we will cover a different case, from the notorious Ian Huntley to the gruesome Ed Gain. You can follow me for more episodes and news on my Twitter page at Stolen from Me Pod. I got into true crime from an early age. I was around eight years old at the time, and at school we had to write to someone famous. Everybody decided to write to the Queen, but I didn't want to do that, so I decided I was going to write to the Cray Twins. This didn't go down well, but it did escalate in my fascination of true crime. Thank you for being a part of my podcast. Please leave a five-star review, like and subscribe, and see you in the next episode.